this week on Invasion the Podcast. How do you make Justice League worse? Just add Klein. We like Mr. Rogers too much to make a joke here. And Steve wants to know how well I know my neighbors. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of Earth, attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where I try to take over the world one listener at a time. My name is Paul, and to my left is always Steve. Hello, everyone. And uh, I was, we're going to be talking about Mr. Rogers tonight um, and the documentary, um, you know, Won't You Be My Neighbor? I keep wanting to say A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, but that's the name of the film mm-hmm. that Tom Hanks is in, which I can't wait for the Tom Hanks documentary about how a wonderful person he is as well. And like it's, <laughs> it's just this weird like generational thing. It's like, well, Mr. Rogers has gone away. Now we have Tom Hanks. Who's the next one that's yeah. going to come along? So I like the idea. It's like it's like the Pope or like, you know, like Doctor Who. Like, who's <laughs> going to be the next <laughs> nice man that we're all like, oh, he's here, you know. So we're talking about that. Um, yeah, uh, it just I, I'm, I'm a little out of sorts because like we before we start recording, uh, like I, they live in Cleveland and you know it's it gets a little weird and there's a gentleman outside yelling at something I don't he's know. He's one of our fans. Actually. He's one of our fans. He, he knows he, we're yeah, recording. And he and was he's... like he just kept yelling Star Wars over and over again. <laughs> now and then it just I, I, I thought about it because that made the line. Steve wants to know how well I know my neighbors. I really don't want to know that guy. <laughs> And, um, you know, it's just when you live in a city, like I don't live too far away from like downtown Cleveland, just weird shit happens. And it's just like, I, Steve, you've lived in like, you know, Sandusky, Elyria. Like, I know that's not like Cleveland-ish, but you've lived in areas that are a little bit more um, populated than I have growing up. Is, is there always that notion of like, you know, probably not a good idea to to go here or do that right now have you ever like always known that of like there's just places you don't go or oh yeah there's times of night don't go there yeah i mean there are streets in sandusky that i don't know i i to this day i don't know that i would walk down after like midnight okay so, so i mean the world's a know, scary place yeah, we're gonna talk about mr rogers a, yeah. a scary place <laughs> and uh you know i think you have that with every town i i think obviously cleveland it's obviously a little bit more prevalent um, or a more suburban area, you know, as opposed to like my wife, uh, you know, from Port Clinton, like, you know, people just were like, yeah, oh, we don't lock the doors. I'm like, lock the doors. Yeah. They're going <laughs> to let all the muffle heads in. They're just yeah. going to burst in at the midsummer now. Like I, I, I grew up in the middle of Northwest Virginia, so it was still kind of like, I, I never, like, it was more the fear of just getting lost somewhere as opposed to like, you know, you just wander out in the woods. You're like, I don't know. Will people ever find me? It isn't like, it wasn't ever the worry of like, Maybe there's a bad person out here. It was yeah. more more like maybe they fell into a river. Like you know, like, so <laughs> I just you know, and, and it took me like moving to to Cleveland. I, I moved here in 2000 to realize, yeah, just just don't don't go making trouble. I just kind of oh look, you have a place to go to, go there and don't cause trouble, and you're good. Yeah, that's not a fun thing to start to show off with. So 
yeah, just I, I apologize. My brain's a little out of sorts, and I also admitted to Steve that I was on a lot of caffeine earlier today, and then my brain started collapsing on itself, like you know, a, a, like a star that's about to implode. So it's going to get weird. I, I do apologize. Paul's going to escort me to my car tonight. Yeah, because so. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 an opposing physical threat. That's what's going to happen. I'm gonna, I'm going to use I'm going to use my hands of steel. Uh. It wasn't especially large. But it felt hard, extremely hard. My extremely hard hands of steel is what I want to use. Now, uh, so I got to start the show off here with an admission, aside from the fact that, you know, there's a gentleman outside yelling. Uh, maybe he is a fan. He's just like, just you know, just, just give up on Star Wars, guys, and Spider-Man. He's probably like, <laughs> where's the wrestling talk? Now, um, so I was going to buy you uh, a Blu-ray copy of Joker today. Okay, uh, but the reason I didn't is because I was going to do it because I want it because I want you to watch this movie, <laughs> just because I want your I want your take on it. Okay, but then I also realized then I I have a feeling I have I think I know where you're going to land on it, and then you probably wouldn't want to own a copy of the movie. <laughs> Um, and so that I just, and I also felt like, you know, I'm kind of in a weird spot that movie. So I don't know if I want to give up more money. So like, right. that was my admission that I, Steve, I almost bought you something that I didn't. That's my admission. <laughs> well, I don't know that, uh, you know, that movie's made so much money at this point. I, I don't know that they'll miss your, your 20 that, bucks. That's, but, that's fair. Yes. Um, you know, I certainly understand not wanting to give money towards something that, that you're just sort of, uh, I don't know if opposed is the correct word, but um, like if it was something that that I knew you were leg- like legitimately like excited and you just didn't get to the theater, I'd, I'd that'd be different, you know. Well, our friend Rich had he had kind of a I don't know I wouldn't even say it was like a positive review or a negative review, but he seemed to like it more than I'm guessing at least he, you did. He did, yeah. he, and he he framed it in the, the sense of like once you get past all the bluster and like kind of like there was a lot of like you know talk around the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just and and I envy those that can take that film and place it like in in a context of if you're doing like like a late seventies, early eighties, like you know uh riff on like a lot of those like type films and that that's you know time frame um the de palma and and um oh uh the guy who made a uh, taxi driver was that i did, can't remember but that's gonna blow my mind that i don't remember the guy scorsese? Who scorsese did you do that son of a bitch that's what's wrong with me um those kind of films right it was scorsese what, what's wrong with me uh yeah so i get if you could if you could put your your brain in like that space um yeah uh, Martin Scorsese. I, I, you said it, and I had to double check. Why, of all the films, and I'm like, yeah, that guy that did that. I don't know who was that. Who who was that? That Marty guy. You know, uh, <laughs> scores his own. You know that guy. You know whatever happened to him? You know, uh, no. Like if you can if you can put that in its place, I think that's good, and I can appreciate that. It's just, you know, I, I still feel like the, the the it's kind of a little bit of an open sore of a film, though. Like, and I think it's trying to be on purpose, which I'm not saying. Like films can't be provocative, but and in fact, I enjoy that. I think I think cinema should be challenging. It's just this one just kind of comes across me wrong, you know. And so, um, so of course, I was like, I want to give this to my friend. So no, but I, I didn't. I, you know, so that was my admission. Is that I like I I just I don't know. I, I have a feeling. I think I know where you're going to land. I don't know ultimately, um, but I will be curious as to when you go see it or at, when you eventually see it because I didn't buy it for you. <laughs> <laughs> it is sort of odd to be outside of the, I don't want to say zeitgeist at this point uh, when it comes to that movie, but 
it's it, it is interesting. It, it's definitely something that I would have never pictured that I would be like, oh, there's a movie about the Joker, and I didn't see it. You know, it's yeah. it's my whole you know Batman v Superman. I still haven't seen it, and it's crazy to me that to think that you know twenty years ago I would have I, I would have never thought that a movie like that would come out that I hadn't seen. So. Um, it, it is a weird place to be in right now because there's I do see people who do genuinely love it. Um, I I know where you fall on it. Um, I know kind of where Rich fell on it, and I'm not sure where I'm going to land. And I don't know if it's because of the type of movie it is, or if it'll be just simply because. For me, there's no Batman. <laughs> so that, that, no, that's that's I'm, fair. I'm hope because that feels like the most shallowest place to come from. But like at the same time, um, a movie that's just sort of celebrating the Joker feels weird to me. So we'll put it that way. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So there you go. I didn't buy you something. So that was my my. <laughs> my the, you know what? I mean, maybe for you know, because uh, Birds of Prey is coming out. Maybe I'll sit down and watch. Uh, BVS and Suicide Squad because I've not watched either of those. You know, I think that might be worthy of an episode to get. Like, maybe we'll do maybe we'll do uh, Batman vs Superman talk. Okay, because uh, I'm just I am I am highly curious. That makes three films there that I'm highly curious about your take. But I think I think the Batman vs Superman is going to be the one that's going to be closest to you. So I figured that would be a fun one. Maybe we'll get into. So yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, that was that was that was my day of walking around Best Buy for a minute, holding a Blu-ray, and then deciding against it, and then leaving Best Buy with buying nothing. Like I was like, oh, and it just if dude, I I, I like Best Buy. The one where I was at on the east side of Cleveland, they have really reduced their floor space for films. I know that's kind of an act of choice. Yeah, but even compared to like the the one on the west side of North Olmstead, which has like double still the floor space of this other one it's like i used to go like every so often be like what's new and i'm like oh i i can't even tell because there's only like three racks of movies so yeah i will say that being a lover of physical media these days is becoming harder and harder simply because y- you go to target and it's being reduced you go to walmart it's being reduced you go to best buy it's being reduced your only options and i hate to say that they're forcing you to go and buy from like amazon or an online retailer it's kind of the way, like, Scream Factory doesn't, like, I don't understand, like, I can't go and buy Scream Factory. I have to order those. I can't go buy, you know, a, granted, I don't have a a region-free player, so I can't buy a lot of Arrow titles. Yeah. But, like, I feel like if you're going to reduce the, like, size of your selection, maybe focus on those specialty titles because people would want a place to go to get them. Yeah, maybe. I, I feel like maybe, like, some of the, like, the um second the other second buy shops like you know like we have in Ohio and other places like the record exchange maybe or sorry the exchange yeah yeah uh, like you know that's still a pretty good place but you're also dependent upon what other people bring in you know but yeah it was just frustrating because I'd go in and be like oh there's a standee for Joker and I'm like was there any other movies that came out like and it just you know it, and that's it like I get that like also we're in a weird spot like in the year where after we got past Christmas there's not as much maybe coming out but. I still like to actually, there's something to be said for walking along and being like, oh crap, that's out and buying it. As opposed to when you're actively like looking online to buy things, you still get some of that. Maybe it's just more of like that, that little like, you know, hit in your head of like, yeah, I got something. I'm excited for it. Like that, that rush. Right. I don't know. Um, but 
It's so something it, about, it's yeah. like, yeah, uh, it, it's part of it's the thrill of the hunt, and it's part part of it's discovering something that you didn't even know you wanted, like just being like, oh my god, they released a you know special edition Blu-ray of this. I love this movie. Yeah, it's got four hours of a making of, and you know, eight hours of behind the scenes, and all this other crazy nonsense in it. Absolutely, I'll I'll buy it right on the spot, as opposed to like going on Amazon and like looking to see if it's available and, yeah, yeah it's it's this kind of the same thing where people talk about how they're like they miss the nostalgia of going to the video store there is something to be said for like you said the hunt you know and there's also something to be said with being stuck with that movie <laughs> like you know yeah you went to blockbuster or a mom and pop you rented you know maybe two movies uh for your weekend one of them was bad. You sat through it because you're like, "All right, I, this is I, I rented this movie. Whereas I physically now, brought this here. We're going to finish this." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now you're like 15 minutes into a bad movie on Netflix, which I guess, understandably, maybe not such a bad choice, but you can easily just get out of it. So that's fair. So, all right, that, that's my story about how I almost bought you something and then didn't. So that that's uh, that that I'd yeah. like you to start every week with like, you know, I saw this, I thought of you, didn't buy it. <laughs> well, like, um. When I was when I was out in Vegas a few a few months ago, my my friend that we were staying with, he was like, "We're, we're you know, we're like let's go to the Hoover Dam," and I'm like, "Sure." And then we started. We got about like eighty five percent of the way there from his place, and his car started acting up, and he was like, "Ah." Uh, you know, I think it's best if I turn around. I'm like, dude, that's fine. Like, it's your car. We don't want, we like, be like, we just talked about, like, you know, growing up where we did, there's just stretches of desert. Like, you know, like, it's, yeah. like, there's a lot of people around, but no, I don't want to have my car stopped. Even if it's like a well traveled highway, I don't like, I just see rocks and nothing else. I don't want to be like, let's go back to your place. Right. Right. And then he just felt so bad. And I was like, dude, I, I've, I've, you know, Every day of my life, I've not been to the Hoover Dam. I think I'll be okay. And, um, <laughs> it's it, not like you went yeah, there to see the Hoover Dam yeah, either. Yeah, and so then I, we, we sent them a Christmas present, and I was telling my wife, I was like, I want to send them a postcard in that present from the Hoover Dam saying, wish we were here. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, uh, and then she's like, oh, we tried looking up. It was like, we couldn't find an actual like Hoover Dam postcard that you could just buy. Like, I guess you had to like find it from a gift shop. That seems really weird. I think yeah. you'd be able to. Yeah, I'd Maybe maybe we didn't look hard enough, but I thought that'd have been a great joke to be like, yeah, (laughs) another day we weren't there. So yeah, every day is a day I didn't buy Steve a copy of Joker. All right, yeah, I I I don't know. I'll get around to it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it'll eventually show up on HBO or something, right? So that's that's the thing. I I think uh, I've had this happen to me twice now, where I bought uh, a movie and then like that same day it popped up as the movie of the week on HBO. (laughs) Uh, the first chapter of it, um, uh, I finally it was broke down and it was on sale, so I bought it. And then later that week, it was the uh, HBO <laughs> movie of the week. And then Shazam, I bought for six bucks, which is a good deal anyway, so it's not a big deal. But um, I bought that uh, Black Friday, and uh, that Saturday, Shazam was <laughs> the week on HBO. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, all right. Uh, did you? Uh, I know this. We we already talked for a while here, but did you do anything of, of worth the weekend for me? I just got. I just drank and played video games, so nothing really. Like an adult, I, I played Overwatch and World of Warcraft like an adult. So that's all I did. So we we attempted to go to the movies for the first time in ages without buying tickets ahead of time. Oh, and got there in 1917 was sold out. Oh. Um, people are really responding to that film i think that's great like i give me big war epics you know that, that it's making bank right now like yeah so 
we uh, we then went into the seventh level hell that I call Trader Joe's. Have you ever been in Trader Joe's in uh, Westlake? Uh, not the one on Westlake. There's ones over on the east side that I've, I've been to one on the east side where it's like, for whatever reason, the parking lots always seem a little too narrow. Like, the spaces seem narrow there. Oh, and the store's definitely narrow. Yeah, and it's just like, but do they do the thing where it's not like, the aisles aren't like up and down parallel. It's like they're like diagonals, like through the, the store. They weren't diagonals, but what I will say is, is that everything is Trader Joe's. So like, you're not going to find another like brand in there. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for something, you're going to be completely lost. <laughs> and at four o'clock on a Sunday oh, no. in Westlake, no, it's just going to be packed full of people. Yeah. So like, I I tried to look at this. Uh, so long story short, people, I'm I'm trying a, a, a keto diet. Um, I did it a long time ago, um, and it was successful. I've gotten away from it, so I'm, I'm trying it again. I'm trying to reintegrate. But um, with that, uh, there was this like almond flour that uh, I was like, oh, I see they have it. I'm going to try and buy it. I went back to the aisle three times. Every time I went there, there was somebody in front of it. Oh, Like just standing in front of it. I, I, I'm so – I hate – confrontation to the point even the supermarket where i'm like you're literally in front of the thing i need i'm going to stand here for a minute i hope you move or i'll just go down another aisle for no intention of looking anything there and travel back and hope that they're gone right yeah um i'm the same way and uh i just i start having like an anxiety attack because i'm just like (laughs) there's people everywhere i can't find anything that i want uh i can't figure out what where things are because they're all branded you know trader joe's and i'm like can we just get the hell out of here please and then we ended up going to myers so okay but yeah. that's um yeah the I, only other thing that i did was is I, I bit the bullet and uh i uh i joined letterboxd i saw that and you followed yeah. me so congratulations yeah. and i and i was an idiot and didn't follow you until today so now we are now following each other on letterboxd and you can see my five-star review of a welcome to the neighborhood not welcome to the neighborhood. Uh, I, won't you be my neighbor? Uh, I, I wasn't even the right name of either movie. My five star review of won't you won't you be my neighbor is five stars. No, you're crying. That's <laughs> my review. So I I didn't put it on there. I've only watched two movies so far, so I've only got two reviews on there. Yeah. But I was gonna I was gonna put it like one star, and then my my review is gonna be what kind of an asshole am I? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> There's a Facebook page called uh, Haters of Letterbox. Okay. And, you, and it's like, and um, and you can follow it, and they, they they will post like screenshots of people's reviews. And some of them you can tell they're just trying to get like attention, but some of them are just really funny about like people either not understanding what the film was or or whatever. So you'll see every so like not all the not all of them are great, but every so often you get a real gem of like okay. someone rating something terrible in Letterbox. I've decided if I'm going to review anything on there, it's always just going to be just one sentence. So I have two reviews on there. They're both just one sentence. Yeah, long. I mean, you and the cool thing about Letterboxd is that you could either if you. It, you like you can like a movie like one out of five stars and half stars are available, um, and you can add a review or you can just like hit liked and it will log it so you don't have to write a review every single time. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. Like I, there's times where I do feel like I need to say something, um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I, I liked it, and again, like if you guys, I, I believe I, I think I said my letterboxed um, last week. I'll say it again if people Sleepwalker nine zero two one zero. Yes, that's it. It's Sleepwalker. Um, uh, a two three two, I think, is what I have here. Yep, all all no no spaces, just Sleepwalker two three two. So if you guys want to follow me on Letterboxd, I haven't been watching anything recently, so it's not like I've been like you know cranking out like canon films or whatever, watching them. And not that like I have um, uh, what is it? Who started following me now? 
Weird. I literally just got an email saying someone started following me on Letterboxd. I don't know who that is. All right. That's, and the show isn't live, so I have no <laughs> idea how that happened. But anyway, so cool. You joined Letterboxd and you ran out of Trader Joe. Trader Trader Joe's. So good weekend. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So yeah, let's just let's just get to the news. everyone I, i'm not this is not a good news i'm just gonna throw one of these out here hooray hooray denied so i again in the world of content creation and constantly having to have news I, someone i think made a little bit bigger story out of this in terms of it's on it's on slash film but there are two tweets about it so it must be a real story oh it has to be legitimate right so um the guy so here here's my first revelation is that I didn't realize the film Fanboys from 2009 was actually uh written by Adam F Goldberg who is the creator of the sitcom The Goldbergs mm-hmm. which now that I realize that Fanboys is kind of like you know this nostalgia latent thing and then watching The Goldbergs which is like the celebration of the 80s which I happen to like The Goldbergs a great deal actually I think the show is actually really funny My brother has been trying to get me to watch it forever I've watched one episode and that was only because Martin or Martin Eglin Robert Eglin <laughs> Put the uh, <laughs> the uh, Freddy makeup back on to do a, a an appearance on the show. So yeah, uh, and, that's the only episode I've ever seen of it. And so. I'm I'm about like we're I think we're through two seasons, which I know there's like seven. So it but it's been that nice thing when we kind of don't have TV to watch to watch because we don't want it like it's something new to us. Like mm-hmm. and it's legitimately funny. Like I I like I that yeah I like the whole cast. But so surprising to me when I found out that Adam F. Goldberg was like the co-writer of Fanboys because and we'll talk about that movie in a second but so the story goes is that supposedly with all these angry people ang- I'm going to say people I'm going to say angry white guy overweight guys on the internet that want a Snyder cut of uh, you know Justice League released you know you guys could be like oh Paul you're just being you know you're, you don't know I think I know <laughs> like I just you know, uh, you know change my I'm mind I'm not going to generalize but I'm um, totally going to do yeah, it yeah 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 uh, <laughs> like the uh, Goldberg was making the co- the joke about how like wouldn't it be great to write a sequel to Fanboys where people want to get the Snyder cut released, and so um, one I think that's a terrible idea for her film, <laughs> and two he tweeted at uh, Ernest Klein he's like you know if he's down for it I am too, and then that's when I'm just like all right because I thought Ernest Klein. You guys have talked. You've heard me talk on the show before about Ernest Klein and how much I think he's a hack and a fraud. I, I honestly did not know that. I thought he was the just the screenwriter straight up for fanboys. I thought it was his creation. I didn't realize that if Goldberg actually was like, you know, this was a 50-50 collaboration. So that makes me question my feelings about MF Goldberg. That's not that's not true. Like, fine. Everybody's had that project where you're like, I don't know about that. And they went on to do something else that you like. The fact that he's like, I'll do another one. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's what's going on here? What is the what's the journey? Um so this gives me I did not know who Ernest Klein was at the time when I originally watched Fanboys. I saw it like when because when I was working at Blockbuster, we got it like pre-street. I watched it then, thinking, okay, I've heard about this. I don't think it ever really hit the theaters. I think it kind of just uh, if it did, it was a real small run. It was a movie that had been at least in on the internet and in certain circles had been talked about quite a bit by fans just because it kept getting delayed in release. Yeah, and I think the director. Um, maybe it was Adam F. Goldberg as well, kind of went through all the 
the changes that had to happen with the film because the the story is about a, a guy who's dying and his friends are trying to uh, get in to see episode one before it's released so that he can see it before he's gone. Um, and I think it was Miramax at the time kept wanting them to cut that out. And that's actually the most interesting thing about that's that right. movie. That's right. Yeah, yeah. They wanted to cut the camera. They wanted to be like, well, let, let him live. It's like, that's not, yeah. that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the... The movie I feel like had been talked about for quite a bit for a couple of years before it even came out, but I don't even think it made theaters. I think it went straight to, um, to because it, it was like a blockbuster exclusive, blah 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 yeah. blah. So, so yeah, when I watched it, it's like, and this was still since it was two thousand nine. You know, the internet had been around for a bit, but there was still like seeing like um, this type of fan not not it's not fan service when I mean, this movie is a lot of fan service but like this it's an actual physical object that exists because of of people's love of something else like the only other time i could think of something prior to this and i'm going to be corrected repeatedly i'm sure would be like clerks where the conversations about star wars in that like that mm-hmm. became that was kind of like the proto uh like a little bit of it not clerks isn't all about star wars but there's plenty enough in there that you could see that there, there's like a backbone of this appreciation for this type of thing. Sure. So then, so then you get fanboys, which is like this supposed to be these guys who are super excited for Star Wars, and they're trying to go to the Skywalker Ranch to you know the break in or whatever, so they can see the cut. But then it's like there's all these like Star Wars jokes in it that just it just frustrates me watching the film. Um, I, what what I, I guess I'll just say, what were your thoughts about fanboys? This isn't a fanboys bashing episode. It just this paired with the idea of another journey to go find the Snyder cut just kind of frustrates me, but please. So, yeah, I mean, there are two things that, uh, occur to me, at least in that regard of it being about the Snyder cut, like a, yes, the movie is all about star Wars. So it's weird to switch topics, but also what I just talked about, about the kid's journey, who's going to die. And like, this is his chance to see the movie before he's gone. That's actually the best thing about that movie, at least to me. So if you take that element out of what a sequel would be, I think there's even less there for me. Um, I think Fanboys is an okay movie. I think it just tries too hard. Um, There's another movie called Free Enterprise, very similar in that vein. I think there's a little bit more going on in in Free Enterprise, but it's also a movie that just sometimes feels like it's trying too hard, where every conversation is laden with a reference or every joke is a joke about that specific thing. Um, And I don't want to say that fanboys is because there are some funny moments in fanboys uh i wish it was a little bit smarter about some of its material we'll put it that way that's fair but like there's the whole bit whenever they run through the billboard and you have the outline of the impact look like vader's helmet and the and the taillights look like you know eyes i'm fine with that i was like okay Mm -hmm. that's a nice little visual gag but then you have to hear the breathing of Vader's helmet, like you have to hear the Vader breathing for a moment as a, like a, like just just to remind you, just in case if you guys didn't get that this looks like Vader's helmet. So I feel like this is also a movie that had a lot of hands on it. Like I'm looking yeah. right now at the poster because Paul has the IMD IMDb up. Yeah, and it's it's a a play on the 40 year old Virgin poster, and that feels like a marketing guy being like, "All right, here's my idea. <laughs> it's the 40 year old Virgin, but instead of it being Steve Carell, it's a guy wearing the same shirt." And a Darth Vader mask. What do you guys think? <laughs> Great, right? 
yeah. right? This will get people, and uh, people will get the joke automatically. Like, that's the kind of thing that it feels like was happening. And I'm not saying that that wasn't in the original script with the breathing, but it also feels like somebody being like, I don't think that joke is funny enough. We've got to make sure that people really get it. Yeah. So you put in some, some you know, Vader breathing. Um so yeah, I mean, it's a very likable cast. You got Jay Baruchel, you got Dan Fogler, you got Kristen Bell. Who, I, honestly, if they make a sequel and somehow she's involved, I would be really surprised because I think she's kind of on top of the world right now. Um, uh, oh, the other gentleman, I'm, I'm forgetting his name, but he was a uh, uh, Jimmy Olsen in Superman Returns. Um, he's really good in it. Um, Sam Huntington. Um, so, and I haven't seen him in a movie in a while. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would be okay. I actually like that cast a great deal. So no, like, I'd be okay. Some of the casting, I'm okay with. It's just I, I don't know. Maybe it's been it's been ten years since I've seen the film, but I just remember even them being like, "Yeah, this is a little." It's like I think it's one thing to be like to be a fan of something, and I know the film's called Fanboys, and to love something, and it's like, but not every single thing needs to drip it. You know, like you could have this wonderful story of these guys being like, you know, we know our friend's not going to make it. Let's see if we can try to convince them to let him see an early cut of the film. And it's like, and that's the journey, right? And then you could have some stuff interdispersed, but I felt like this thing was waiting every three seconds to drop another like Star Wars thing on you. It's better when it's being subtle. Uh, we'll put it that way. And unfortunately, there isn't a lot of subtlety in the movie. No. There is a great, the, the last line of the movie is pretty great where they're in the theater, they're getting ready the, the, their friend has passed on. They're at the opening night of episode one. They're kind of a little, you know, excited to see the movie, but also realizing he's not there to be a part of it. But the very last line of the movie is just like him going, "Hey, what if this movie sucks?" Yeah, that, that thought yeah. that was great. Yeah. Um. So I would be okay with it. I don't understand how Justice League slides into that though. Yeah, because it's, it's yes, like. I, I don't if it's if the joke is we should have another journey to go and, and get and find the Snyder cut a that movie's probably never going to be finished because episode one was being finished. Yeah. And, and uh, but it's also like, is this going to be then a two hour journey of them making all those wonderful Justice League comments and references that we like, <laughs> like all this Warner Brothers movies, DC, like it's going to be like weird you know like right. is one of them going to be such a fanboy of like jared leto's uh joker that that's all they're going to they're going to dress like him and look like him it's like you know i don't know like it's just or i i don't know like it just it just feels like it's two tweets so it's probably not a real thing i just know the moment that this guy tweeted adam f goldberg who's having great success with like uh with the goldbergs and that other show i think he's a co-creator called schooled which is set in the 90s that looks like it's on ABC as well and has some of the other same cast members I saw. Um, I think he's doing fine for himself. Um, yeah. I, I think the moment, like, he's like, hey, Ernest Klein, what's going on? I could just almost see, like, Ernest Klein, like, poke his head around the corner and be like, yes. Like, you know, like, do you need more references? And he'd be like, I don't understand this Justin League stuff, but what if we did the one, what if we did Super Friends or something, you know? Like, can we bring something from the 70s and 80s in, you know? Like, I just feel like you're going to evoke that name. It's going to be like Beetlejuice. He's going to show up and bad things are going to happen. I mean, I just assume if you were going to do a sequel, I I would just do it about episode seven. Like, I, you know, that's in the past now. But to be fair, when Fanboys came out, Phantom Menace was already 10 years old. So, like, I don't know. I don't know that I don't know that making it about the, the Snyder Cut is going to be that topical five years from now or whenever it gets made too, you know? So you might as well keep it within star Wars or make it about like episode nine, you know, like yeah. 
because that's it. You, it, it's a group of people that are pissed about the Last Jedi, and they're going to go to Disney to protest to get it changed because they want. Yeah, it's the whole journey to go get episode. Well, I didn't eight. say those characters were assholes. No, 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 I, <laughs> Steve's like, you know what, Paul? You know, let's keep talking about this. Pretty good idea. No, like, uh, now I just they they go to Disney. They're going to go down there to try to protest and get eight remade. Because remember that 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 petition that went around? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, and that's I don't want to watch that movie either. Anyway, uh, this will never come to pass. I hope it never comes to pass. It just scares me that Ernest Klein was tweeted at. So, who the hell knows what's coming? I will say too the uh, the director. Um, uh, I just had his name. It's uh, Newman. Um, he yeah. uh, he is a huge Star Wars fan, um, and I've heard him talk quite a bit about Star Wars. Sometimes I don't always agree with him. Like he. This was pre episode seven, but uh, you know he was saying that you know basically like he, a lot of his arguments were like it's you know you have to love all of Star Wars or you don't love Star Wars and I took I I had a problem with that but I will say that he's a very knowledgeable guy I think he's a very smart guy I actually if 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 they were like you know what instead of doing fanboys we're gonna just get these people together and do something else I'd also be okay with that because yeah. I, I think he's a good director I think. What I know about MF Goldberg, everybody seems to really like him, uh, and I like that cast. I would, I would be good with that. So, I don't know. That's my two cents. Yeah, but let's watch out for the, um, the director. He his name is uh, Kyle Newman, and currently he's uh, it's an announced project called Untitled Vigilante Project. So let's be on the lookout for that. <laughs> Can't wait for uh, for that to happen. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, next story. Speaking of nostalgia and being worked into different ways, uh, this is a nice pivot. Uh, look, look at that doing doing good work there. Uh, and also, I should it would be would be remiss not to mention that Talk Without Rhythm, uh, El Goro just talked about the film fanboys. Uh, and paired it up with Galaxy Quest, which I adore Galaxy Quest. I'm like uh, the only person who doesn't get Galaxy Quest. Oh, well, like, it's, it's kind of a Star Star Trek riff. I don't know if you're familiar uh, or not. <laughs> I think it's Tim Allen. I think it's that I just... He's, I think he's really good at that because it's like it's like you're casting him almost like like almost as himself. Almost, in I a guess. lot of ways. Maybe I like, should revisit yeah, it's just Galaxy like, Quest. Yeah, oh, Galaxy Quest is awesome. So, yeah, if you guys want to go listen to, to uh, El Goro's probably more well-researched and more nuanced thoughts about fanboys as opposed to me where I'm like, I don't like parts of it. Like, that's not probably not the take you're going to get. Um, but, yeah, if you want the deep dive and more understanding of how that film probably came about, certainly check out that episode. Uh, but I just feel it'd be weird to be like, that That literally was just talked about, and they'll be like, oh, some, someone that we know did something about this film. That's happened a couple times, though, where yeah, like El Goro's talked about something, and then like a week later, it pops up in the news. Yeah, so I hope he I hope he didn't will this Ernest Kleinness into existence. <laughs> That's, that would be, that'd be bad. So anyway, next story. Uh, Steve sent this to me. I'm like, at first I was like, is this a real, real headline? Uh, Karate Kids becoming a Broadway musical? Yeah. I, Why? I don't know. I mean, I I wonder, do you remember back in like the late, well, I guess it was, I don't know. I, maybe it was like more like the middle of the, like maybe it was like 2005, 2006. After Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man and maybe the second one had hit. They were like, we're doing Spider-Man the musical. Yeah, you turn off the, the dark, and yeah. it just became a like one of the biggest calamities. Yeah, like I heard, like the the suits people were not kept working getting right. hurt. <laughs> yeah, and like and like they kept they kept like reworking the show, and they would do like these things called holds where they 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 pause like the actors and then do something. So I guess they're doing like these like uh, you know 
I guess bringing audiences in, but they do these holds for Spider-Man to be like stuck like forever. (laughs) Yeah. This kind of reminds me of that, except obviously I guess it's back in, in popular culture with um, Cobra Kai, but it, it feels very much like that where it's like, here's something that people really like. Let's make a musical out of it. Well, this, it just, it frustrates me because I, this is something that I, I'd never heard the term until recently. And it makes a lot of sense. It's jukebox musical, which is a lot of those ones like Mamma Mia or uh, rock of ages or whatever, where it's like they're, they are musicals, no doubt with choreography and, and story connecting everything, but they're based off of the existing pop, like pop songs. Right. And it's like that. That feels like that's like a shake and bake way to make a musical. And with this, it's like you already have the soundtrack. Yeah. And I'm sure they're going to uh, make up some new music. But then if you fold in uh, some of the songs from like the later movies, I know what what, what was the um, there was the song from the second film, "Glory um, of Love" by Mr. Peter Cetera. And you you can't tell me that's not going to show up somewhere in this. Yeah. You know. So, I mean, it might be a fun like if you do the choreography and everything. I just if all I, maybe this makes me hypocrite because if someone's like told me Karate Kill be a musical. I'm like, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. If someone said to me like three years ago, you know they're making a Karate Kid sequel series, but like, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> and it's now like one of the best things. I'm I'm super excited for season three of Cobra Kai, you know? So it's like, maybe I'm just wrong about this. Yeah. I don't think I am. I, I like, why... Why can't we have original things as well and like musical theater? But I guess that if that's what if this is the gateway to get people into things, cool. Um, but at the same time, like Hamilton, which is a, a, a musical made of whole cloth, you know, like that people are just losing their minds over still. And mm-hmm. um, so I guess there is that that avenue as well. But just really looking at this article, um, there's there's been uh, Broadway musicals of Beetlejuice, Tootsie, Miss, Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, was it Devil's Wear Devil Wears Prada like stage productions? Uh, Bull Durham, like I don't like. Okay, like, that's I mean, I so don't there know. There is a stage version of like Evil Dead. It's never been on Broadway. I don't think. No, but, no, like, I know you're talking I, about. Yeah, I would go see that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, Mrs. Doubtfire is a fine movie, but I don't know. It's something that really needs to be made into. You don't a remember musical. the the wonderful song "Drive By Fruiting"? You don't remember that one? <laughs> I, like, I don't remember that. Or time to shove my face in the cake and say hello. That's another song. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> um, he said hello. Like, <laughs> Beetlejuice, I guess, kind of makes a little sense. Like That seems like there's theatricality to that, so you can maybe do something with that. I mean, that, was, yeah. that was more plastic. I'm sure you could stretch that and make it a lot. Like That could be fun, right? Um, sure. But I just, I don't know. Does everything need to be made? I just, it just, it, it's an, the Karate Kid's a known commodity. It's been out for more than 30 years. So, that's going to be like, if you just been like, Hey guys, we're making a martial arts musical. Oh, right. well, I'm not interested. We're making a karate kid musical. You have my money. Like I just, that's the part that kills me about this is like, it has to be attached to something. If you want to, if you have this vision of how to mix martial arts, like, you know, fighting and dancing, you know, I'm sure it's been done before. I'm sure Cirque du Soleil is doing that all the time, you know, mm-hmm. but cool. You know, it's just, I don't know. I guess, I guess the world's big enough where you can have all sorts of media in the sense of like you can have like these recreations, you can have new original stuff. Um, and I guess if, the, if neither one of those existed, we wouldn't have a podcast talking about things. So again, I'm a hypocrite. This just seems like a weird choice. Yeah, I mean, it's not something that like they're going to get me in the door with. You know, they're not going to be like, it's Karate Kid. So what what franchise that is that we do not know of as being a stage production, would you, if they're like, we're doing this as a musical, and you'd be like, I got to see what happens. Oof. Um, 
trying to think. I, I, and we want it to be like a big like franchise. We don't want it to be like no, it's whatever. Like if this is off Broadway or off 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 Broadway, you know. Well, I mean, there's part of me that would like to see like what uh, you know maybe like Clerks the musical would be like, or um, maybe. Uh, um, that'd be funny. They go to intermission and the show would just be over. Like you'd just, they would never come back. <laughs> like, that'd be great. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. What 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 else would be an interesting? Um, I mean, I feel like there are some that are just too hard to do. Well, again, I mean, we're just limited in our scope because we yeah. don't understand how musical theater works. Like, yeah. what if what if there was like I, I like I could probably deal with because there was some music in it. Like, Ooh, I like, want to show the dead. There, Shaun of the Dead, okay. the musical. That'd I, be okay. okay. That would that would be fun, especially if you did some original music, and then even if you did bring in folding in some of the Queen stuff, like when they did like the man, get Edgar right. Like it doesn't have to be a jukebox musical, but it could have some of that those qualities. I think that'd be fun. There's a really fun video that uh, I think it was in the last like two weeks that went up of uh, Edgar. Not I'm sorry, not Edgar Simon Pegg watching just that scene from um, Shaun of the Dead where they're. Um, beating the owner to death with uh, the pull cues to "Don't Stop Me yeah. Now." Yeah, um, and it's just a like him talking about what was going on like during that portion of the movie, mm. getting it made and whatnot. I love those types of videos where it's like they sit somebody down and they give you like a mini commentary. But uh, yeah, I, I would, I would like to see a, a, I would see a Shaun of the Dead musical. We'll put it that way. I, you know, three amigos because <laughs> you'd have some of that, and you could, you could. You know, get the mariachi stuff. I think that would be fun, and you could have some fun choreography and like, because the whole thing is that they're playing, you know, they're they're fakers, so you could have a lot of the bravado, and then I don't. I think that'd be a fun thing to do, and you could have the the singing cactus, like you could have like you know, this this that was it the singing invisible sword swordsman or whatever. No, yeah, no, it was just the invisible swordsman, right? And you had to sing to summon it. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think I think that'd be a lot of fun. Actually, I think a three a three amigos musical would be great. And it would it would definitely scratch people's nostalgic itch. And then at the end, when they do the amigos, 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 where they all like you know all dress up like them, I think I think this movie's written. I'm sorry, I think this musical's written itself. <laughs> That's <you> right. <laughs> there you go. I think that'd be great. Um, what like? But then like I don't. I was just trying to think like what else would be like terrible. Like I'd like to see the Blob the musical. Like how would you do that? I don't know. <laughs> does, does the Blob get its own solo? Do, do we get his? Do we get the Blob's motivation of what's going on. Um, but yeah, I don't think everything needs to be a musical, but like Friday 13th, the musical, like what would you do? I would probably go see that though. Like <laughs> I hate to admit it. I'd be like, this sounds messed up. I got to see this. It'd just be a lot, a lot of fun, like camp summer songs. And then, you know, like, but like Jason wouldn't sing. I mean, you know, give, make Jason sing, make, well, him, make, I mean, make him sing. You know, I guess it depends upon if you're just straight adapting the first movie, because then that's true. Jason really isn't in it. So it's, it's mother. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I like it. So, uh, but anyway, so enough about that. Karate Kids can become a musical. Th- who knows what's going to happen next? Like I, whatever things like now we need a blood sport, the musical let's, that's what we need. That would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, last story here. Uh, is, it's a secret story for Steve, but he's may have already seen this, uh, headline here is, uh, Kansas man asked judge to allow him to have sword fight with ex-wife. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if you've heard the story or not. So I read headline. I did not read the story. Okay. A Kansas man has asked an Iowa judge to let him engage in a sword fight with his ex-wife and her attorney so that he can rid their souls from their bodies. 
Uh, David Ostrom, 40 of Paola, Kansas, uh, said uh, in a court filing that his former wife, Bridget, uh, and his attorney, her attorney, Matthew Hudson, had destroyed him legally. The Ostroms have been embroiled in disputes over custody and visitation issues and property tax payments. Um, the judge had the power to let the parties resolve our disputes on the field of battle legally, David Ostrom said, uh, adding in his filing that trial by combat has never been explicitly banned or restricted by uh, as a right in the, the United States. So... There's no precedent saying that you can't do this, but I think it's kind of one of those common sense things of like, probably not. Um, he also asked the judge for 12 weeks time so he could secure Japanese samurai swords. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do you think he's just joking and like, he's just making a farce of it? I don't do you know. Think he's serious. But he's, uh, um, so uh, he's like, I think I've met, uh, I think I've met Mr. Hudson's uh, Mr. Hudson, so his wife's his ex-wife's attorney. Uh, his absurdity with my own absurdity, he said, adding that his his former wife could choose Hudson to act as her champion. <laughs> 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 oh, um, and and so the 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 lawyer argued that um, because the duel could end in death, uh, this would you know it would the ramifications would likely outweigh those of property tax and custody issues. So the th- here's the thing, like. So the judge has not, um, he's not made a decision yet, um, citing irregularities with both sides, motions and responses. So, um, so the, basically I'm going to guess this is going to get kicked out, but he's basically saying that neither side did the right things to, to either challenge this. (laughs) Yeah. So, Oh my God. If you, if you had to choose trial by combat to, to settle a grievance, what, what would be your weapon of choice? No, I, I'm. I would be terrible with a weapon. Well, I mean, that's why you got to pick. You got to pick appropriately. I, um, I, I. It can't be a gun. I think that's too easy. So. Oh man. Um. I don't know. I guess uh, maybe a baseball bat. Okay. You want to go some baseball furies there? Some the Warriors. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I guess you know. Because um, I'm definitely not making it out of a knife fight. I think I've got a better chance of the bat. Um, I, I, I just think maybe I'd like to have like, um, like a morning star, like, like, but like, what, like a chain, like a chain based morning star. So you got like, you know, like, like almost a He-Man weapon where you got like the, the single handle with the chain that ends in a spiked ball. Not because I think I would be effective with it. Mm-hmm. It's just that if I'm in a, um, you know, a duel to settle or like a trial by combat, I'm dead. So at least I want to know what it's like to have that weapon for like a minute. Like I just okay. want to know. And then I would just flail around and probably bash myself in the head and die, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, I I guess baseball bat is probably the one thing that I know how to use at least. And, <laughs> That's true. Um, you did play baseball growing yeah, up. Yeah, so, so maybe I'll, you know, get a shot or two in <laughs> before I'm bludgeoned to death by another guy with a baseball bat. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess that'd have to be like whatever you pick the other the other person has to have like it had to be the same weapon, right? Because like that seems a little unfair where it'd be like, oh, I have a baseball bat. It's like, oh, I have a battle axe. Like, right. oh, oh, I didn't think this through. <laughs> like, or like, what's your what's your weapon of choice? This falcon I have and this leather glove. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's your chains? What's your uh, weapon of choice? I I got a chainsaw. What did you get? I got a baseball bat. Oh, I brought a melon baller. I just I thought I didn't think this through. What's your weapon of choice? Harsh words. No. So, all right. Um, that's yeah, that's going to do it for news. So after after that fun discussion, let's just get into some talk about Mr. Rogers. And now for our feature presentation. 
so last week, whenever uh, I was trying to find a way to to like, because we we talked about Dracula and we talked about it, you know, Batman, a Batman, and now Mister Rogers, um, like sadly, one of them's immortal, and 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 one of them is very much not. So, uh, Steve was like, you don't have to have a reason to pick this to want to like talk about it, and it's like that's true. I always feel like we have to have some type of like tangential. You want to be synergistic a little bit, and and because the 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 beautiful uh, day in the neighborhood film. Uh, is out there, and I know Hanks. I think he got an Oscar nod for it. Um, I think, or at least the Golden Globes. You know, yeah. I didn't even pay attention to the Oscars. I didn't either so much. Um, I mean, I see that JoJo Rabbit got nominated for Best Picture. I know it's not going to win, but that made me very happy. Just because I mean, really, I the Oscars, all that stuff. I get that that's like the the industry rewarding itself, but I feel like um, there's people out there that make it a point every year to watch like the movies that are nominated for Best Picture, which is fun fun thing to do. I don't get to everything. But if that means then Jojo Rabbit's on people's radars, cool. I'm excited mm-hmm. for that. Um, so, um, but yeah, anyway. So um, this has been a documentary I've been wanting to watch for a bit. And it's funny because I know when I saw the trailer for it, when it was first being, you know, like premiered, w- that those two minutes, I bawled my eyes out watching the trailer. I don't know. Right place, right time. I'm like, I'm like, how am I going to get through this movie without like just bursting into tears every five seconds? Um, and I, how did you do? I, well, one, I was eating my dinner, so I didn't want to like just collapse into like a pile of like you know pork and like you know cauliflower and be like you know like the big wet sobs and just like just food like that <laughs> have been bad. Um, I held it together. Like there was, it's like it's almost like um like there was like a single tear sh- sticking out. Like and if and if like had Mary made direct eye contact with me, I would have been like a ketchup burst. I would have been like done like you know, <laughs> or if like 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 a cat would have jumped on my lap and wanted pet, I've been like I don't deserve love like it would have been like just, it would have been bad but so you'd already seen this documentary yes um because you're a better person than me and got to it because it was it's it's important to get to the reason why i feel like i wanted to, to pick this to talk about it is a we we enjoy everything that we do in the sense that we get to have the discussion and talk about it. And we enjoy a lot of the things that we do or else why we pick, while we actively pick things we wouldn't like for a podcast would be a little, that, that would get, that, that would get old in a hurry. Like we, we find stuff we don't like. There are a lot of podcasts that are built like that. I just, I don't like, I I know like, you know, I just, I just got upset about Ernest Klein or whatever. And I know when we talked about ready player one a while ago, I was, didn't like it, but I don't, I don't come in each episode with like, I'm going to tee off on this thing. Like, I just like, like when we did, uh, you know, year of canon, it's like, yeah, some of that wasn't good, but it's like, we always went in with the best hope that we'd find that thing. Right. Yeah. And the thing with the year of the knockoff, like we really wanted shocking dark to be fun and it wasn't, but that's not, that's not the point, but we like, we always hope for the best. Right. And I feel like with something like Mr. Rogers and, and the documentary, won't you be on my neighbor? I just knew that it's like, it would be nice to have a moment of just like, just reflection and trying to understand what one person did to try to change the world around them and, and actually be like a positive. Um, and so, yeah, I just, it was kind of like that, that breath of fresh air to be like, you know what we don't, I like, cause I didn't think I was going to walk in and be like, that was the worst documentary ever. Like right. I, I never, I, but you wonder how deep they're going to get with it. And I think they showed some, I don't think they showed all, but yeah. I don't think that was the point. Um, so that that's my long-winded introduction as to why I wanted to choose this is that I just wanted the, a nice warm hug after some of like you know we've we've had some you know not that that's been like a rough road or anything with the show but it's just nice to kind of take a break and just see something of like you know something that is not just good but like good for you yeah. you know so well also I I think too you know as far as the documentary goes 
there's a lot to pack in there. So the argument, like, oh, they don't show all. I'm sure that, like, there were a lot of tough decisions because there's, you know, how many years worth of material to, to pour through, how many discussions to be had with the people around him. You know, I think overall they did a good job with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was making the joke earlier about rating it, and I, I I thought about, like, and if I do go on Letterboxd and put it in there, like, how I would rate it. I don't know. This is one of those rare times where I'm like, do I like it because of the source material, or is it just because I think it's a great documentary? I don't know. <laughs> so there's nothing that I can actually you know, criticize about it, but I also don't know if it's that I'm just, because the subject matter is so, I don't want to say appealing, but it's, it's. The the film could have easily just been like a, like every shiny good thing about Fred Rogers. And they certainly do a lot of that, Mm -hmm. but they do a good job of anchoring it in reality. Um, So if you guys are familiar with uh, Mr. Rogers, I would be like, I don't understand how you've never heard of Mr. Rogers. Um, Well, I I do wonder how many kids there are now. Like, I I don't know if they still show him in repeats. I think they still show it on PBS. Um, And that's that's how I grew up watching it. Like, like I, I can't remember a specific time watching Mr. Rogers, but... I know I've had to have seen it. Just like I knew I, I grew up watching Sesame Street, but I don't recall any one specific thing about it. But it was daytime. And, you know, it, it, you talk about TV as a babysitter, and I'm sure that's something he would not like at all, like knowing, right. like watching this. But that, like, you, like, there was never going to be any harm of having a kid watch Mr. Rogers during the day. And so I'm sure, how many years did he do it? Years and years and years. It would be, it would be silly for PBS not to run that. Still, right. you know, so I mean, because I know the Muppets are owned by uh, HBO now or whatever, so I don't know if Sesame Street is shown, but it's on a delay, like by like six months now or something. Yeah, something I like think that. that was their like, oh, we're not going to be completely evil here. We'll give it to PBS first and then we'll run it later. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, um, but I don't know if you have any like distinct memories of Mr. Rogers, like, or, you know. So, I mean, I I don't know that I have a distinct memory of watching Mr. Rogers. Um, I know I watched him. I know I watched Sesame Street, Street going up. The, the <laughs> And a lot of people always give me a look because they never know who I'm talking about. But um, my favorite style of this type of show when I was a kid growing up was a guy named Mr. Dressup. Yeah, okay. No, no. All right. So, uh, my documentary will be forthcoming on Mr. Dress Up. It'll be just as good as the Fred this, Rogers. This dog. feels like a new uh, Blumhouse film coming. <laughs> like, his name was Mr. Dress Up, and it's like <laughs> it's just a pile of clothes in the corner. It's like I don't know, is that Mr. Dress Up? But it's like someone comes. It's like my memory of it was there was a lot of like costumes and there was a lot of um, a drawing in okay. it. So I I liked that a lot when I was a kid. Obviously, um, but. I, I know that I, I reached a point probably, and I, I don't want to say early on, but I, I don't know that I don't know that I watched it past maybe the age of five. I'm gonna say because I, I know that it his his views I think felt very corny to me at a, at a certain point in my life. Yeah, and I, I don't um, and I think that and he, I'm not putting him down. I'm just saying that 
they were talking about the age groups for it. And I'm like, I don't remember watching it when I was like, say, eight or nine. Like, I had moved yeah. on to, you know, coming home after school and, you know, watching Transformers and G.I. Joe and, you know, He-Man and, and those types of shows. So, But if you see, if you see like all the crowds of kids and things that were shown during the documentary, you know, I think what you're talking about is probably the appropriate age in terms of like what he was kind of going for. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, I don't think... One of the one of the strengths of this is that I don't think he ever talked down to any anybody or like I mean you talk to kids differently but you don't talk down to them like right. you understand where they're coming from like there's that wonderful story in the documentary about how and I will also say I was taken aback by like the original black and white handheld footage I think it was of his wife uh, holding the camera while they're like in their apartment like in Pittsburgh and he's like like playing the piano and trying to like prove his proof of concept. Which I was like blown away by because I'm like, is this what is this? I had mm. never seen that before. But um, the, there's the bit where he's talking about how uh, he was in a room full of kids and he felt this was like his his test. And the kid, you know, said, "Oh, uh, my my uh, my stuffed animal lost its ear in the washer or the dryer." And he's like, "That happens." And he goes through this. And he's like, "And sometimes you lose other body parts, but we don't." And he was talking about how the kid's eyes started widening to be like, "You're right." Like, yeah. And he realized that like I could probably do this. Like, and so I don't think he was talking down to the kid. He was just he never forgot what it was like to like kids see everything so full on, and it's right in front of them that it just. I don't think he ever talked down to anybody watching the show, but it was definitely geared towards younger people. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think also, uh, and I I don't remember this, um, but I mean, his his eagerness to approach topics that kids weren't being talked to about. Oh my goodness, yes, um, yeah. was astounding. Um, the idea that he tackled the assassination of Robert Kennedy to um, just the horrible, horrible, horrible racial racial crap that still goes on, but unfortunately, you know, it's it's just unfortunate that's going on. But well, like the, the, the fact that he tackling, was like, you know, he had the little kitty pool. He was like, you know, washing his feet. And how, then- how much of an asshole do you have to be to throw like? chemicals on people in a pool because they're the wrong color like that yeah. really well, like that's not mr rogers what steve is talking about <laughs> yeah sorry there's a that's scene the, they're, they're showing the, footage at the time like i've uh, jumped ahead once again yeah, yeah uh well it was there well i don't know if it was at the exact same time but they're talking about how there was uh moments during uh they like in the 60s and 70s whenever like the the, the segregation the, was, was going. big deal yeah. and like the equal right equal rights and all that and how there was a big conflict because there were, you know, people of color that were in a public swimming pool or just a swimming pool. And the guy who owned it brought bleach over and was pouring into the water to get them out. And there's footage of him yeah, doing it. Yeah. And it's like, it is it's just horrific. Horrifying. And just with so much malice, you right. know? And like, and so then Fred Rogers being the nicest person on the face of the earth, uh, he had a little kiddie pool and was washing his feet with a hose. And uh, the officer, which I forget the name of the officer, but he, from the get go, he had the police officer be, you know, a, a black male, you know, like, like, you know, we're going to have, you know, a person of color be a an authority figure, but he brings him over. He's like, well, he's like, it's hot out. And he's like, that does look good. He's like, you want to get in, you know, wash your feet too? He's like, I don't know if I can do that. And they make it a point to have him wash his feet as well and and fred rogers like you know uses the hose and there's a moment after hearing all that where he just turns and looks at the camera directly it's almost like a more sarcastic person would have been like 
yes. But right. but he was like staring straight into the camera to be like, I'm looking whoever's in the eyes. You're seeing that I'm doing this. It's because we are humans. We are worthy of love. And this is just a nice hot day. And I want my friend to have his feet cooled off as well. Yeah. You know? And it's like, yeah, it's just like, just now you look back at that and you're like, holy shit, what were you doing? Like, I mean, in, in a good way. Yeah. You know? I mean, um, that did influence Quentin Tarantino quite a bit. The feet part. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's like, I like him. No, uh, but I just, I, I remember the first time that I watched the documentary, like, I was just like, I, I, that's so far that I can imagine like a person being like, how, how do you live like that? Like how, like. I, I don't know. I, well, just, what about the, even the like point the, where you would throw chemicals on somebody? I, like, I, I think it was important for the documentary to show the hate. Yeah, because you then see how quiet uh, Mr. Rogers is in terms of like it's a small moment, and I put that in air quotes. But it's huge, yeah. and it's like because he's just he's he's just showing love and compassion in a very small way, but on television for kids to see, and he's not. He's not overtly making a statement, but he's making a very big statement. Right. It isn't like he was like, all right, everybody, we got to stop and we're going to talk about this. Though he would kind of do that. Like you mentioned, like the assassination of Robert Kennedy, which I didn't know about his his take on that, which was amazing. But even going back to the first week that the Mr. Rogers neighborhood was on the air, they dealt with um, like the escalation of Vietnam. Like, yeah, I, I'm just I like, skipped ahead. I'm like, holy shit, they're actually doing like this whole thing about yeah. like, you know, regime change and like, like, and like warfare and how do you challenge this and sending balloons with like encouraging words to drop a wall. It's like, like that's the first week, and this was like a a regional show in Pittsburgh at this point. That was not, yeah. you know, like it's just I I knew Mister Rogers was important, and I knew that like people always turn to him in terms of like what what does he say about this? What does he because like there's like I, the the speech he gives uh, uh, in Congress to save public broadcasting I've seen before, and it was mm-hmm. powerful then. It's more powerful now because they gave a little bit more context about how. Like how big of a moment that was. I knew about that. Like, yeah. and I knew about how he made it a point every episode to mention that he's feeding the fish because the one blind girl that was worried about the fish and she didn't know. Like, you hear these moments of like, this is a nice guy. This guy yeah. cares. I didn't understand the magnitude, or I should say, that's not the right word. The 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 fearlessness that he had to just approach the world of what was going on and talk about it. Yeah, that was amazing to me. And. Talk specifically to kids about it, because I think that that's, yes. that's a very powerful thing. I mean, I think about, <laughs> you know, shows the, the shows that I watched after, you know, like I mentioned, like the G.I. Joes, you know, <laughs> where there was always like a, you know, a PSA at the end of it, which was their like way of being like, see, we're educational. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't... Uh, don't play in a refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, don't play in a refrigerator or don't cook... Uh, you know, with a frying pan when your mom's not home kind of thing. Um, <laughs> like, oh, no, there's electrical wire in the car. Oh, hey. Uh, it, was, it wasn't Hightower. That's from Police Academy. It was uh, what was the Roadblock comes to save the day. Yeah. Like, oh, thanks. That's that's going to happen every day. You know, yeah. Anybody want a body massage? <laughs> body massage. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I just... I'm, I guess it's one of those things that, like, if someone said, oh, by the way, did you know he actually spoke to great like social issues at the time. And even still, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate reality that a lot of what he covers is still pertinent and needs to be still talked about. Yeah. And I think there was a big point when they mentioned with his wife and him and talking about himself about how they grew up in households where 
they couldn't talk about their feelings and they couldn't be allowed to process. And you could tell that that was a big deal. And uh, the fact that he does have these like very straightforward, but like gentle and kind conversations. I just, I, yeah, I just, that's the part that like, I couldn't get over at how effective he was able to distill it, you know, like very, it makes it like you take it on the surface and it could just be a guy, you know, greeting uh, a, a special needs kid in a wheelchair, you know? Um, but yeah. it's much bigger than that, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. And I think also the fact that it all felt genuine. I never at once felt that he, that was a show or a different person or like he was who he was. Yeah. Um, and thankfully it was just being a, a you know, I don't want to say being a great person, but just he—he's—he's he's a rare material. We'll put it that way. There, Stephen Wright used to tell a joke about how he would uh, sell um, rare photographs, and he said he had two rare photographs. One was Houdini locking his keys in the car, and and the other was Norman Rockwell punching a child. And it's like, <laughs> so you, it'd be like I got a rare photo of like Mister Rogers, like you know, being mean to somebody. It's like it yeah. wouldn't happen, you know, like. And, and so this is like you got that that uh, the one clip of um, the one uh, talk show guy saying to him like, "Are you are you you like yeah. type of thing like are you really a square <laughs> like this <laughs> and like and and he he is I mean he's genuine and like so I did not know and I maybe it's something I learned a while ago and I forgot about it and is that he was an ordained you know minister like he was very much like you know wanted to go to the seminary and then change his mind and decide to go to TV which who does that you know right. like um, the fact that like I like the story of like he watched TV and was like this isn't good but this is an amazing tool and then he tells his family I think I'm going to get into television they're like oh like and that was that like that's you know to know like so. I have my beliefs uh, and everybody has their beliefs in terms of like what, you know, their spirituality or whatever they're aligned. Right. I, if someone would have told me, well, you know, you know, Mr. Rogers is like a you know loving Christian. I'd be like, fine. I, you could, you could say that he's a loving guy, but it's like to know that this was his, his version of ministry. And then also to know that you never once, he never, he, I don't think he said those words. I don't think he said anything like specific, specific, Specifically, I can't even say the word like biblical, other than like love your neighbor and love yourself. Right. Like it was never, you know, I you would never have gotten that, but it was there in front of you the entire time. That to me is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think I knew that he was an ordained minister, but it might also just be the fact that I watched this months prior. Well, that's and fair. I, I honestly I just don't remember if I I didn't know or if I feel like I knew, but um. He he never like. Uh, all right, so I mean, going into my religious background, one of the problems that I had always had with my Christian faith was the preachiness of it. Um, the um, do as I say, don't do as I do. Probably, yeah, some of that, and um, in some ways, there were a lot of people who. I knew that, you know, claimed to be these wonderful Christians who were completely opposite of what my opinion of, of a Christian should be. And and then, of course, you know, we grew up in the 80s, so there was the whole era of tel- televangelism. Yeah, and, uh, Jimmy, you know, uh, Jimmy Baker. Yeah. Jimmy Baker, yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, knowing that and then seeing, like, him just being like, hey, just love everybody. Never like, oh, you know, if you don't read the Bible, you know, you're an awful person. So... <laughs> I think that yeah. like he gave the message without browbeating you or 
um, telling you that there's only one way to do it, which is another problem that I have with religion. Yeah, I mean, there was the, the 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 one point there when the the gentleman who played the officer again, I forget his name, and I feel bad for that, but it, you know that. Um, when uh, it, he, when Fred Rogers found out that he was actually homosexual, he's like, "Yeah, you you like if if this is found out, then you can't be part of the show." People could probably view that as being like you know short sighted. I don't think I don't think uh, Mr. Rogers was saying that as in like I don't love you, I don't care about you because you find out it's very much true. It's just more like you get the notion of like this is going to in this time and place, it's going to cause more more harm and separation. Because he's trying to be loving and accepting, and he's going a long way. I just think that society just wasn't there yet to to keep reaching that far. Well, also, I th- and I don't want to say that I'm going to defend Rogers here. I just I I think that um, you know if the guy who had that relationship with Mister Rogers like was like oh you know like he loved me, I loved him. He was he knew I was gay. He never. He never like tried to change him no, or anything. No, and he was like, like I that. viewed him as a second father. You, you know, know, like if he's you know good with who Rogers was, I'm pretty sure that I shouldn't have a problem well, with it. He, he made the comedy. He's like, I did this for my race. Like right. basically, like he knew that he was portraying a lot of like good things that needed to be shown and discussed and proven. Um, and so you know, not pick and choose your battles isn't the right thing, but it was brave of them and also responsible of them making the film to to talk about it because right. if they, they could have easily pivoted away and not gotten into it and you would never would have known right um, yeah it's not like he, he it, you know it's not like you know rogers threw him in a corner and was like you know never you know no yeah this is the dirtiest secret ever and it, it must not come out but he, he told him like hey you know you can't go to the gate the local gay bar like well and then and also there's the one gentleman who looked like clint howard kind of that was the one production assistant that was like i could tell you stories like tell us why he's like no it's like so it's just like <laughs> what happened on the set of mr rogers neighborhood probably some weird stuff but what i do yeah. love is is that he was talking about how anytime somebody would leave a camera lying around he would always grab it and take a picture of his ass and then put the camera back yeah and he I mean, said th- that this he guy got, not yeah. yeah and then he said rogers got had brought in his camera <laughs> one day and set it down <laughs> and he did it to, to fred rogers and he's like he never mentioned it never said anything and then at christmas he gave a poster of that guy's ass to somebody mr rogers he gave, gave, it to, it. gave it to the guy he's yeah. like make sure he gets his present and they, and they show the picture in the documentary and it's this guy with his butt to the camera wearing a uh, a king friday the 13th mask and yeah. it's so weird and great and so i mean and there's then you've seen probably the footage of of mr rogers flipping off the camera like yeah you know, it's like it's whatever it's like he's a, he was a human, a human being. being yeah and 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 then to know that like the biggest things they ate him were his own self doubt and his own vision of worth for what he's doing is also very human. And then like, and I know it was done for effect, but it was an amazing effect of showing the whole movie footage of him and Nantucket walking against like the wind by the lighthouse. And it's like that all just, it just made sense. Like even, like even when they brought him back to kind of do like the PSAs around like after nine 11, like he yeah. was like, is this even going to do anything? Like, right. And everyone's like, you're Mr. Rogers. Yes. Like it will do something, you know, like I, I, and to know that I feel like he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be a polarizing figure. Like if there's only a handful of people on this earth that should not be polarizing, he should not be one of them. Yeah. You know, like I'd also say Tom Hanks, (laughs) like, 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 uh, like Alex Trebek is the Canadian one. Like they, you know, like just, you know, there's to be fair though. Most Canadians are just, I don't know what it is. Like I, 
You never there aren't too many Canadians. I'm like, man, that Canadian's an asshole. Well, I will I will say William Shatner. I will throw that out there. I um, I, I would leave him in the. <laughs> he's not quite Mister Rogers. Don't get me wrong. No, I'm no, no. Um, no, it's just, I, I was doing some research for Strange Highways because the next episode we're covering actually has uh, James Dewan in it. Oh, okay. Uh, and and one of his quotes is, he's like, I like Kirk. I'm not a big fan of William Shatner. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but yeah, it's just. Like I don't think so, and then to find out whenever you know he passed, there was protests at his 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 wedding, his funeral. Like that was just disheartening, and the fact that they framed it purposely so with the rightful intent of his friend saying, "Look at the kids that are there with the people protesting," you know, like what is going on with them, and that would have been the thing that like they talk about how they always hint that Fred Rogers had anger, like yeah. he had anger issues, right? And and it and that would have been the thing that would have set him off. Is like what are you what are you showing these kids? Right. You know, and that that's the the things I take away from this to know that he had anger and he did have you know it wasn't like every single day was the greatest day ever. It's like he you know he knew he learned a lot about himself. I'm sure, but like knowing finding out that he's the kind of guy that he would always give himself to listening mm-hmm. and just being there. I I don't know like. It's just I, I, I guess I don't have a point there other than I just his his constantly being available for kids no matter what they were saying and being there and meeting them there, uh, and then knowing that that's what would happen at the end, uh, it was very frustrating to see that happen and just seeing some of the footage of him interacting with kids, it's just I'm not a kid person, I just you know it's like you know they're cool we have the same toys but don't touch them you know like type of thing <laughs> I just I don't know what it's just it's just me right. But watching him interact with kids just made me almost want to ball my eyes up because I know I'm never going to be that person, and I don't know who is. Yeah, you know, like you asked me at the beginning of this, like what was going to be the point that make me cry? Um, and there was two that all, that got me. One was almost at the very beginning when it was just footage of him interacting with kids, and there was the one kid that just looked up at him in awe and just touched his face. I almost lost it there, but I had a mouthful of food, and I didn't want to just spray food all over the living room. And then later, there when there's the young lady that was developmentally disabled wearing the helmet, like the hockey helmet, yeah. and she was so excited to see him, and he was so excited to see her. And then she was trying to show him her drawings of the owl character, and it's just you know, it, it it it's it's just a bunch of scribbles, but it was her drawing pictures of this character. And he's like, "Do you want to see him? Do you want to meet him?" This that just 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 almost just utterly just annihilated me right then and there, you yeah. know, because it's just there there's that love, and just I just goddamn like I. I don't know if I ever want to watch that scene when I'm having a bad day. I don't know if it's going to make it worse, Uh, but it's like, it's just one of those things that I feel like I will need to revisit every so often just to remind me like there, there is that kind of appreciation and love out there. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm ever capable of it, but it's there and it was just a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. Yeah. I I wish I could have like something more to add to that, but I, I, I'm very much the pessimist. I'm very much the cynic a lot of the time. Um, and to see somebody who, A, dealt with, um, even though he had anger issues and he, he felt like he grew up without being able to express himself and, you know, he he had a lot of these 
quirks about him um, in that regard. The, the fact but, to find out that he would actually talk in his character's voices when he was trying right. to say other things. So like <laughs> like his, his kids, they're like, yeah, you could tell that he was trying to say something. It's like, that had to have been weird to be like, he's talking like the cat. Like he's talking like, he's talking like Henrietta right now. What is going on? Sorry, yeah. let me take away from no, that. No, that's okay. Not, um, he's also not a very good ventriloquist. I'll say that. Yeah. That's like there's one negative about Mr. Rogers. Actually, two negatives. Not a, not a good ventriloquist, and he lived in Pittsburgh. That's the two things I'll say. <laughs> That's just my my living in Cleveland biased. But just anyway, sorry. You're you're going onto a much more serious point. Um. No, I I actually I don't even know where I was going with that. Just that, um, knowing that he sort of had this almost unconditional love and I guess if you're going to go back to the religion side of it like that's the guy that we should all be like that's yeah that's who we should we should all be and um looking at it as an adult I think is all much different than being a kid um and just being like wow like that's really powerful and really amazing um the one thing that I did that I wouldn't go so far as to say it angered me, but there was a moment during the the documentary where they're talking about uh, people were blaming current society issues on Mr. Rogers for telling kids that they were special. Yeah, and I'm like, you know what? That's that's a parenting issue. That's not that's not because he told kids that they were worth something. That they're entitled now. No, he never said they're entitled. He said that you're you and you're special and you're. You no, know, I'm like, saying that know, people yeah. are saying that he's the they, reason people they were subverting that, yeah. and that was frustrating. Absolutely, yeah. And I know that you could you when they mentioned that he was frustrated with that as well. Um, so yeah, that that was that was frustrating. I after watching the movie and then talking to my wife, uh, she's like, "We did we didn't deserve Mister Rogers," and I was like, "No," I was like, "That's not the way to look at it." It isn't a matter of what we do or do not deserve. It's like, you know, it, he existed and we should be thankful enough that he did to see it. Because, right. I mean, you know, like it's not a matter of like us being like, oh, we're terrible and humanity doesn't deserve this. Like, I, yeah, it, to show that someone like that could still exist and still be like, I'm going to devote my life to public television and say and and teach kids lessons and and meet them where they live and talk to them because he made the comment this is something too that was very important to me was he's like there was only one person whoever was on the other side of the screen I was talking to them yeah. he's like I I you know like and they did a little montage of like kids faces and everything and and like and like my wife was like well she's like and here I am getting upset about someone I never knew and I was like yeah but he knew you. It's like he was talking to you this yeah. entire time, and of course you start crying again. Like I, like, uh, <laughs> well, like, he, I, you know, he like, the the gentleman who played the police officer also has that moment where he's like, he's like, you know, I looked at him one day and I was like, do you do you like me or, or something along those lines? Like he's like he's like I finally realized when he's like you know I was like I I love you and he's like yeah. he's like I finally realized that he was speaking to me and he's like he's like i've been telling you that for like a couple years now is what yeah, he said. He's you like know? I've been saying it for years now yeah. and you finally heard it today. Yeah. And that was pretty powerful. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I'm never going to make anything that's ever going to affect somebody in a way. That's like not that. true. We touch tens of people every week with the show. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm sure we've affected the yelling guy outside. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I can only ever hope to kind of hit across like the top, like the, the very tip of an iceberg of just like of some type of emotional resonance with, with somebody or anything. I, I, uh, I'm never going to be Fred Rogers. I, th that's the truth. But if, 
if he can at least give me the hope that just taking the time, taking a breath and talking about what's important to you and talking to others, then I think that's a good thing to take away from it. Um, and it just, again, I just selfless, you know, like I just, it just, I know I'm just gushing about this, but, and we should, like the guy was a good guy. You know, he would say, he, like every time people try to like, like make him acknowledge his goodness, he'd always deter, he'd always like deflect. Right. And that's what, that's what people that are w- worth it should do. They shouldn't be like, you know what? You're right. I am a pretty great person. You know, <laughs> this is my neighborhood. You know, like I am very awesome. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, it's just, it was a wonderful, refreshing thing. And if you guys not watched the documentary, you know, do it. Don't be eating a bunch of food while watching it. Cause then if you have, if you need to cry, just cry. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's wonderful. And it's just good that like, it's good that he existed. Cause I mean, he was a man, he was going to eventually leave this earth, you know, like, so, but the fact that we got so much from him and then also, so Steve, how do you feel about like him rallying against the irresponsibility of the things that you talked about? Like, you know, you go and watch like GI Joe and you loved the first Superman film so yeah. much and how like kids were jumping off of like, you know, roofs to be Superman. And then there was the video clip they showed of like the kids be like, you're Superman, not Batman. And we're going to play superheroes, which is just beat each other up. Like, it's right. all, like, yeah, I mean, how do, you, I, how do you feel? You've been formed out of both sides of this. Of this, like, oh, he was a great guy. Yeah, and I do want to fly off of my roof. <laughs> well, to be fair, I never tried to jump off my roof. Um, yeah, so, neither did I. Um, I understood his point of view. Mm-hmm. I think that there's something to be said for the imagination that those things bring out of kids. Um, but I, I'm not going to disparage him for being like, eh, that's not a good message for kids. I'm going to talk about why kids can't fly. You know, like I, I'm never gonna like take him down simply because he's like, I'm gonna do a week on like the dangers of kids. You know, like a week on superheroes and about how like, you know, it's all make believe type of right. thing. You know, and like, well, even the fact that they even had like uh, one of his puppets try to fly and they caught it. It was yeah. like, and I, that's another thing too. I didn't realize that he was never in the land of make believe. I know. I just I'm sure that was probably in front of my face the entire time. That's a that's a great separation to show. Like he's here. We're going to go to make believe anything can happen there, and then we'll come back to reality. I think that's a good way to teach that to kids. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and I know there's good kids programming out there now. I'm sure that. I mean, I don't watch it. I mean, not that I'm an active viewer, but I know that. I think because of things like him and, and Sesame Street, there there are still good educational shows that do have merit to them. I think they, these are the ones to show that it doesn't have to just be like um, a distraction, like mm-hmm. pies to the face, you know, like like I'm sure Bozo the Clown was great, but I'm sure it was just a bunch of like just dumb hijinks and, and cartoons, you right. know, like so. I yeah I don't know I don't know if I have a I don't know if there's anything else you want to mention about like Mr. Rogers in terms of like we. I, I wish there was more of them. Like, like I, yeah. I, like I, what I want now because I feel like his his second series he tried doing that. What was it? Um, uh, what was it? Uh, old, old friends, new neighbors, or yeah. something. New neighbors, old friends, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. That feels like that would be like a Netflix series now. Yeah. Of him traveling around the world, like talking to people. I want Tom Hanks as Mister Rogers doing a Netflix series <laughs> of that. I just and he doesn't have to be he doesn't have to be Mr. Rogers. He could just be Tom Hanks dressed in a sweater, going to different places and just talking to people. I would watch that show. Uh I'd probably watch it too. Um I 
I don't know. I'm I'm sure you should pitch it to Netflix. I, well, they, they'd be like Tom Hanks wanting to talk about typewriters all day because I know he collects like eight thousand different typewriters. <laughs> there's uh, there's kind of a show like that now though, and uh, on uh, Disney, the, the, the uh, World According to Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, which is mesmerizing just to watch. Like, I, I wouldn't say. I don't know that I should say that Jeff Goldblum's weird, but he's kind of weird. <laughs> he, um, he is weird, he, and he's <laughs> fascinating to watch. <laughs> He's not Mr. Rogers, but he's he's definitely always interested in what people are saying. Yeah. Um, that's what I, I want now, too. I want to do a, a kid's series that's like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, but with Jeff Goldblum in the neighborhood. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum in the neighborhood. I want him in it. Like, he comes in, talks to the kids, and he's like, you know, does science stuff or whatever. <laughs> Accidentally turns into a fly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Today, kids. Like, yeah, it's like, how does, how does Brundle fly eat? <laughs> no, I. But, so maybe I need to watch The World According to Jeff Goldblum. But I just, I think that there is space. For that kind of like, especially now since there's so much stuff out there to have, because they they mentioned how a lot of his show was silence and how there's something to be said for him. He wasn't he wasn't constantly like we have to go go go. It was like you let life happen as it happens. Yeah. And I the one thing I do remember growing up was he was trying to make like a spoon puppet, like using like a plastic sp- spoon and like pipe cleaners or whatever. And he was trying to draw a face on it and he just couldn't, he, the, the crayon wasn't working. So he's like, well, he's like, sometimes you got to use sandpaper to kind of like get a little bit of a surface. So he's trying to like make it like rough it up to draw on it. And it's like, it wasn't quite going right, but he just kept calmly talking his way through it until he got done. I'm like, most people have been like, we're done with this. I can't draw on this spoon. <laughs> So, yeah, I just, I just, this was a wonderful documentary. And not that this is going to make me go back and watch old episodes of Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. It's just, it, it's good that it exists. I'm sure that kids, when they're, when they're young enough, they, they probably don't realize like where it's dated. It's just TV, you know, like you grew up watching TV. I, I'm sure he still has some resonance with, with oh, yeah. maybe, maybe not the kids, but the parents that want their kids to see this, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, I I mean you you said before like you know maybe watch this uh, if you want to feel good for a little bit like it is sort of a um, I don't want to say it's comfort food because it's it's not that I had like an attachment to Mister Rogers but just seeing it as an adult and seeing the messages that he brought it was something that like made me feel like wow it, it, there there are good people out there in the world and and they're not all you know. Um, like I said, I'm I'm the cynic. So, for yeah. a documentary about Fred Rogers to reach me at 45 and have some resonance is something powerful. Well, sir, we live in a day and age now where we're always waiting for the other shoe to drop with everybody, just because it's just like okay, like like when we like when people are like. Yes, Tom Hanks is as nice as he says he is. It's like, please let that be true. Like, I just, I, right. I couldn't handle to find out. It's like, oh, you know, like, he, I don't know. He was also a secret cannibal, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but so anyway, yeah, this is this is one of those guys that I think it's going to be okay to find out that like, I, I think Mr. Rogers has been gone long enough that if there's any weird skeletons or anything, we would have found out. And yeah, yeah, so. That's a weird way to end this. That's not where I was going to go with that. But no, uh, wonderful documentary. I, I'm sure I'll end up getting to see the film uh, "Beautiful Day, Day in the Neighborhood." Um, or no, won't you be my neighbor? Yeah, th- sorry, won't you be my neighbor? Is the documentary "A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood" is the film. I'm sure I'll get to it. Um, it's just I feel like it feels weird. Like I don't know if I need that right now. 
Because like we've seen the, the like the actual story. That's actually the reason that I've not been eager to see the movie. Simply because I'm like the documentary is pretty great, and like the movie is going to be less. Unfortunately, yeah. it might be a great movie, but it's not going to equal what was how powerful the documentary is. Well, knowing that in the in the documentary they find out about whenever he was on the subway train in New York, and the then the kid starts singing his song to him, mm-hmm. and then seeing that in the trailer for the the Tom Hanks movie, I'm like that that feels a little too on the nose. And it's like oh shit, that actually happened. Like, like that's like, okay, I feel better about that now. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's going to be our talk about Mr. Rogers. And again, if you guys haven't seen the documentary, check it out. Uh, It's, it's a nice warm hug and it makes you believe that people are capable of, of, of just caring and and caring that out. So yeah, um, that's what I got to say about that. So before we go on to our game, uh, you guys can find us on Invasion of the Podcast on Facebook. Uh, we, uh, you know, we have an email address. It's invadingpodcast at gmail.com if you want to write it to us directly. Uh, you can find us on uh, iTunes, sorry, Apple Podcasts, Google Music, uh, Stitcher. Uh, where, uh, wherever you get your podcast, please find, rate, and review us. It would be greatly appreciated. And, uh, Steve, how can people find your Mr. Rogers-like uh, output? Thing. Yeah, you can uh, find me at the Saturday Night Slasher.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook under the Saturday Night Slasher. And if you want to buy a comic book, you can go to Etsy Art of the Slash. It's almost the same story. Almost. Yeah. Uh, uh, you are, you all, well, your, your comic's going to be like, being a webcomic published regularly again soon, right? Yeah. So, I mean, when we started it, that was my initial idea was just to do it as a webcomic. And then life happened and it kind of got put off. And then. Uh, we kept getting requests to see it in print, so focused on getting it printed up and trying to push it that way. Um, and now we're looking to just start the web comic version of it back up, and then there'll be more printing, and it'll just be a back and forth. But yeah, yes. mm-hmm. it's gonna—it's like Dilbert, but with knives. That's what it is. No, so uh, <laughs> no, I'm sure as, as as that becomes more available, I'm sure we, I'm sure we'll put that out so people can see it. So yeah, uh, that's um, let's just get to well, we went from one neighborhood. We're just gonna get to to another neighborhood. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> Alrighty, so our game tonight I concocted was uh, just basically a a little quiz to see. Uh, there are a lot of neighbors out there, but. You know, we were talking about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood being a television show, so I decided to put together a little test to see if Paul knew any of these famous neighbors from TV shows. Uh, looking at it now, I realize they're all from sitcoms, so we'll just say it's a sitcom neighborhood or neighbor. neighbor uh, and no, Jim Neighbors is not on the list. Um, quiz. That would have been, you'd be like, this is a whole thing about Jim Neighbors. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> oh, it's all Gomer Power related. <laughs> Pile. All right. So uh, this first one here. Uh, see if you can guess the character and the show he came from. All right. My face is hidden, but you probably know my voice. I hand out advice to my neighbor and his family from behind a wooden fence. So the the uh, character name is Wilson. It's from Home Improvement. That's correct. Uh, his name is something Post. Uh, the actor's name? Do you oh, know that? that? I, okay. I don't know. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that was also... Wasn't he like the doctor in Terminator? Or like Terminator Two, the one that was telling Linda Hamilton that she's crazy. I don't think so. Uh, I like, think he's passed. Well, yeah, no, they're they're both dead. I mean, I know the actor that played Wilson's dead, and that doctor's dead too. Is but... he? Because he's in the third one. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. Yeah, t- 
Continue. I'm going to look this up because I, clearly I'm never right about anything. All right. So. Well, I I don't know. Maybe no, I'm no, no, wrong. no. So, um, uh, so this next one here: birds loves bees, geese love ganders. <laughs> Everyone else loves me except my neighbor. Still, I try my hard darn diddliest to be a good neighbor. Who am I? That's uh, that's Ned Flanders. That's right. <laughs> Birds love bees, geese love ganders. Everyone else loves Ned Flanders except me. <laughs> Everyone uh, so, who matters. Yeah, Earl, Earl Hinman is the guy that played uh, played that guy in um, Home Improvement, and he was in some films, but I was wrong. So just take a drink, everybody. That's, that's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. So all right. All right. So this next one here. Uh, I'm always just a door away, but I often do the pop in. At different times, I've had a jacuzzi, a smoker's lounge, and even the set of the old Merv Griffin show in my apartment. Who am I? And a um, a screen door for sitting out in front of, and, 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 and the local kids would steal my paper. That's Cosmo Kramer. That's correct. Um, I I just gotta say this. Uh, uh, I don't know. I I I married post on it, so I'm assuming you're probably the same way. Um, but we've been watching the Larry Sanders show. I'm sorry, the the uh <laughs> Curb your enthusiasm. Curb your enthusiasm. I don't know why I said Larry Sanders. Yeah. Uh Larry David Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um and one, it's funny because it's it's been on for twenty years now. Yeah. But there's only ten seasons because he does the British thing where he's like, he'll take a few years off and he'll be like, I'll do it. Yeah, there was season. a large gap, I guess, between the last two like not the the two recent seasons are more but there was like a huge gap between those, yeah. But it just came back this week and I I kid you not, his his first show this season was one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. So I've seen an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Not because it's just for a longest time I didn't have access to HBO. Now I have it, so I should just watch it. But I, it was the one. And there's this episode where he found out that like his his there was a local deli naming sandwiches after like stars, and his was like full of whitefish, like the like the Larry David. And he was like, "What?" It's like this is a terrible sandwich. And then so he's trying, and so he, he tried to tell like the deli owner like can switch it, and he's like, "No, no, no." He's like, you know, basically it comes down to if you could convince another celebrity to take that sandwich, I'll switch. I'll take your name off of it. Uh-huh. So it's him trying to talk to other people to be like, "No, look, this is a good look at it." Like he's trying to get people to. to convinced that the larry david's a good sandwich that they should take put their name on it the uh seventh season of the show is all about him doing a seinfeld reunion so like they got everybody back for for it and we see them like filming uh, a seinfeld reunion and it it's interesting too because there's like actual like a script that they're reading from and Mm -hmm. it's like oh they actually built like a funny episode within it of, of like what where these characters would be at that time um and you see them like filming little bits of the script and um them playing those characters again and it's uh, it's it's interesting because it's a better reunion than if they probably did a reunion but it also is one of those things where it's like oh man just reminds you how special Seinfeld was um Seinfeld's just one of those shows that the more I spend time away from it whenever I watch it I can always just sit down and watch it I'll no matter what I'll it's it's like that, and like I put Frasier up there too. Frasier just doesn't seem to age because it's right. just like the like the type of comedy of errors that they always do with these like smart people always mm-hmm. cracks me up. Uh, yeah, and and uh, did you see the episode of Thirty Rock when they did like the the night court reunion? <laughs> it's not quite the same thing, but kind of the same thing. At right. least they kind of at least gave it an ending, kind of you know. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was nice. I thought that was neat as well. Yeah. All right, so this next one here. I'm the boy genius with a crush on my neighbor's daughter. 
I'm usually the source for zany shenanigans, but no matter how crazy the situation is, I often find myself asking, did I do that? Who oh, am I? Oh, gosh, it's Urkel. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to make like a young Sheldon thing there. I'm like, no. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> nope, that was, a, that was all an Urkel. So uh, <laughs> He did do that. He did do that. So this next one here, I'm going to admit, is probably hard uh, because I, I, I kind of wrote a terrible clue. <laughs> so if you don't get it this is not on you That's it's fair. more on me well then I'm, I'm i'm going to not not buy you the copy of joker <laughs> it, so. uh i'm a teacher to my neighbor during the day when i get home from work i often find i'm still teaching my neighbor and his friends at night whether i wanted to or not some say i have a voice <laughs> i have the same voice as the night industries 2000 who am i <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's. I, th- I mean, I, I. I know the actor. I don't know the name of the actor, but yeah. Um, what's What's the show? Boy Meets World. Oh, I've never seen that. Okay, it's yeah. Boy Meets World. It's Mr. Feeny. Oh, he was okay. the teacher on the show, but he was also the voice of Kit. Okay. So uh, I am like, I don't know how else to get to it. I'm like, I'll just throw in the night industry. That's funny. No, it's like because that's another one of those things that it was a little past my time because like there's people that I know that are younger than me that adore that show, and I'm like. I'm like I I've never seen it, okay. uh, and they, like they mentioned like the the what was it the Fred Savage's younger brothers like the lead in that I think. Yeah, uh, I had a I had a whole like period of my life where I just loved bad television. So, <laughs> uh, like that. So are you um, saying it's bad television? I don't know if it's bad television. Maybe Boy Meets World isn't bad television, but like I would eat up crap. Like uh, was it Ben Savage? House. Was that the kid's name? Yeah. Okay, yeah. You know your full houses, your uh, you, those sugary, sweet, sac- saccharine like the, family the, the, sitcoms. The your Friday. step by step, yeah, step by step. Um, family Sabrina, matters. Sabrina, the Sabrina. teenage witch. Yeah. Not the Chilling Adventures of that's on Netflix, the uh, '90s version. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I would I would watch those because I was single and alone. <laughs> All right, so uh, next one here. Uh, I think you're gonna like this one a lot. So. When I show up, I'm normally the death of a TV series. <laughs> However, when I showed up in this series, it went for eight more years. My wife on the show is often arguing with my neighbor, but I prefer just to hang out with him on his couch and say, no, ma'am. That's Jefferson Darcy. That's correct. <laughs> Ted McGinley has been known as the show killer. Yeah. But it's like, he, he's willing to say, like, that's not true. Like, he's, you know, uh, yeah, and it's funny because I, of course, I made a married with children uh, joke last week or questions with our blood test. So, yeah, it's good that you brought in. Because uh, I know it was uh, Marcy was his wife, but yeah. um, his, since his last name was Darcy, I remember when they when they got married, she's like, I'm going to be Marcy Darcy because, like, they got married and, like, they're blackout drunk or something. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I, there was an episode uh, in that, that same season, I think, whenever Al gave all his money to become a pool shark or bet on his daughter. Where Al and Jefferson are trying to put together a workbench, mm-hmm. and it's just, it is the dumbest thing, but it's so great how like how idiotic they get. Where, um, what was it? Uh, like Jefferson's holding a like a like a board up in, in front of his face, and Al's like drilling. He's like, "Let me know when I get all the way through." He's like, "You got it, buddy." And, like, <laughs> and then we just cut away to Peggy and Marcy sitting at the kitchen table with a Polaroid camera and like just taking pictures every time. There was like screaming. <laughs> And then they would they would trade photos They're like I'll I'll give you this one for this one like so it just got dumber and dumber and it was just it was a lot of fun like they had these uh brackets that were like L shaped and they're like do you, they're like do we have any more of those L shaped brackets and Jefferson's like no all we have is 
having these uh these sevens and he and then Hal's like I'll get the blowtorch like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah did you did you change your uh, profile picture to Grandmaster B? I did. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's currently Grandmaster B. Because um, I was playing Overwatch and someone had that name. And I'm like, I was like, that was, and I saw that. I'm like, that's their gaming handles, Grandmaster B. And I'm like, that's amazing. You know, <laughs> that's a deep cut. Yeah. All right. Uh, we've only got two more here. Yeah. Um, this next one here. I live with my wife in the apartment below our neighbors. Whether I'm collecting rent or hanging out at the Regal Beagle, I make it clear to everyone that I don't like any funny business going on. Oh shoot! So he lives downstairs in the neighbors. Is it um Regal Beagle? That's that should be the tip off. Um, uh, you know, I'm blanking. I don't know this one. Okay. Did you ever watch Three's Company? I, I was going to say, is it Mr. Roper? Yes. Right, and that's uh, Don Knotts. No, uh, Norman Fell was Mr. Roper. Um, Don Knotts was Mr. Furley, who came oh. on after they tried a spinoff called The Ropers. That's okay. So yeah, um, that's your '70s TV talk for today, folks. Uh, this next one here, last one here, actually. Uh, my real name is Irwin, but you probably know me by another name. If you were looking for me in a grocery store, you might only find a jar of peanut butter. I was best friends to an overachieving young Republican, but I also had quite a crush on his sister. Who am I? Oh shoot! Um, I can see the guy's face. It's it's the it's the kid neighbor. Is it Skippy? It's Skippy. Yeah, from Family Ties. Yeah. And is is the peanut butter thing a real thing, or is it something he's made up? Like, yeah. I well, no, I just like Skippy's a peanut butter. Okay, that's, so that's, okay. that's why I was yeah. like. Yeah, because he's doing like the convention tours around here. I saw that he, there's something going on that he's part of. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, I couldn't go to the last Dark Xmas, but I think he was a guest there. Yeah. So, so. all right. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's all of your. And I'm realizing now most of these are from like 80s and 90s television shows. Apparently, Great. the the uh, crazy neighbor or uh, goofball character character neighbor is uh, no longer really a staple of the modern television show. So. I, that's not necessarily true. I feel like, um, I don't know, like if you watch Bob's Burgers, they like they have, uh, it's not necessarily the neighbor, but you have Jimmy Pesto across the street that's always around. You have um, uh, Teddy, who's the handyman that's always showing up. Never seen an episode You've of You've never Bob's seen Burger. Bob's Burgers. My God, it's amazing. Yeah. I just, you... <laughs> I I think once you get you just need to give it a chance because once it gets going it's just it's a delight like I, okay. I love Bob's Burgers I like it's like I'm like I've never seen Kirby Enthusiasm and I'm like just don't judge me I'm like you've not seen Bob's Burgers <laughs> like I get yeah so all right well speaking of animation that's going to pivot us into the very end of our show here so that, that's going to do it for this week but next week we're starting off our year of animation uh, we're going to get it's going to get weird uh, so I don't think we've actually decided yet about where we're going to go with all these things because it's like we're kind of we're going to kind of make this one up as we go along because I mean I, I kind of charted out the year of canon a little bit and then it got a little wonky at the end but um, yeah I we'll, we'll see where we go I just I, I kind of like not having a roadmap though it's all animation is like the theme yeah right? so that's I, I, good because there's so many worthy things to talk about like there are things that i know that we've we've mentioned you know like you've never seen mask of the phantasm so it's gonna pop up probably sometimes during sometime during this year yeah um but then there are weird ones like that i've never seen that uh you know i think would be interesting and i know that there uh was it deep blue yeah, yeah. Um, that you want, yeah. want to watch. So, like, we've got a little bit of an idea, but I kind of like it. It's a little less 
rigid than it was with it's not, it's year not of deep blue. What's it called? Gosh darn it! <laughs> it's a, uh, maybe it's deep blue. I, my brain shot right now. It's a movie I own. Anyway, um, I'm gonna look it up because my brain's gone. I think you're. I think you're right. Deep blue sea. That's not right. All right. <laughs> An animated version of Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's not the name of the film, but we'll remember it later. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna Perfect Blue. That's the name of the film. That's it. Perfect Blue. Wow, my brain's gone tonight. I couldn't remember Scorsese. Take a drink. I couldn't like it's just. Oh God, yeah. there go the piano lessons. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, uh, my mind's such a piece of shit today. So anyway, uh, yeah. Next week we're gonna start a year animation. We're gonna get into it's. We're gonna start with a weird one that neither one of us has seen. Uh, I've mentioned this last week, but it's gonna be 1997's. 1977's uh, Ralph Bashke's Wizards. Um, we watched the trailer before signing upon it. It's going to be weird. Um, yeah, I immediately, uh, just based on the trailer, went and just bought it on, on Voodoo because I'm like, I can rent it. I'm just going to buy it because this looks weird and it looks like something I'll want to revisit. Hopefully I'm not proven wrong on that one. Yeah, and, I, and I've reached out to some people asking for some suggestions for some other animated films. And so there's some things I didn't consider. So that would be be cool to have kind of like like uh, not to not to roadmap this out but i've never seen the iron giant that i'll make me something to consider yeah, you've never seen the iron giant i've never seen the iron giant wow yeah i i just i, I kind of want to stay away from like the big 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 mainstream stuff um but i mean i know the iron giant is like it's it's known but not like you know when it came out it wasn't a success though no that's no that's, the... that's fair that's what i'm saying like something like you know like we're not going to talk about like the lion king or anything i'm just saying i feel like we're going to maybe if there's disney i was stuff, hoping gonna we were be... going to do the entire cars trilogy like i mean if if we did something like the Black Cauldron, I'd be down for talking about something like that, maybe. Yeah. But, you know, and then the Cars trilogy, like the more mater, the better. Um, is where, <laughs> that's what I say. We're going to get her done. Uh, so, yeah, next week we're getting the year of animation with Wizards. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to do it for us this week. I'm going to go rest my brain because clearly it's collapsing it upon itself and I can't remember simple words and phrases. Uh, and, yeah, that's going to do it. And I hope everybody have a good week and just be kind and friendly. And, um, I don't know, be, be like Mr. Rogers. Yes. Won't you guys be our neighbors?